Morning, church. I must say that uh, you remember when we had that meet and greet a little while ago when we all got up. Oops, a day, it's not as tight as it could be. Where we uh, we got up and we said hello and walked around and chatted and caught up with people. Well, I have been the first person up to the microphone after the meet and greet plenty of times, and it's almost impossible to get everybody to stop talking and sit down. But when Helen stepped up to the mic, everybody sat down instantly, (laughs) as quiet as mice, and Helen said, oh, you are good. So I think I need to to change up my technique next time. Um, As uh, David said, we are continuing in our study of the book of John. And this week brings us to John chapter 13, and starting at verse 18. John 13, 18. Now, I have to explain what's happened immediately prior to this passage, because it begins with Jesus saying these words, I am not referring to all of you. So we need to just go back and see what what it is he's talking about. And John 13 is a very familiar passage. It's a very familiar passage to me because... For the last several years, um, I have led the Maundy Thursday service. And Maundy Thursday is always centered on John chapter 13, because it's where Jesus is at the Last Supper with the disciples, and then he, he gets down and he washes their feet, and they're shocked by this, and he has to explain to them that they need to have a servant's heart, that if they see him washing their feet then he would expect them to be prepared to wash other people's feet. And he was teaching them about love. It's when he gave them the new commandment, as David referenced earlier, that you love one another. So he's just finished saying that, and then we get to verse 18. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, One of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, 
he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be present amongst us, Lord, to open our minds that we can understand your word, to open our hearts, Lord, that your word would minister to each one of us this morning. In your precious name, amen. As I said, it was interesting for me that this passage will fall to me on this day uh, because I've preached so many times at the Maundy, the Maundy Thursday service. For some reason, that's difficult to say. <clears throat> it's, and I, but it, on the Maundy Thursday service, you focus on the early part of the passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This passage for today, as we continue our journey through John, picks up immediately after that, as we saw. And I've entitled this, God's Plan and a Brave New Future. Because I think that's what we see unfold in this passage. And I think it's a principle of Scripture that it would help each one of us to really grasp. Not just to assent to intellectually, but to really grasp and understand. Because the beginning of the passage... And the opening part here, as we see, it's really a beautiful picture of unity, of fellowship, of peace, of quiet. Jesus is enjoying the Passover supper with his disciples. We know from earlier in Scripture that preparation had been made, a room had been made available, food had been obtained, and they were there in the room just Jesus and his disciples, and they were breaking bread together. They were having fellowship. So it's a lovely picture of unity, a lovely picture of peace, a lovely picture of tranquility. And it's lovely, isn't it, when we get times like that. We've probably had times like that this week as we've gathered with family to celebrate Thanksgiving. And those are times that we need to treasure and cherish and in our spiritual life as well, we do have times, don't we, where we are, as it were, on the mountaintop, where everything is going well, where church is great, everything in our life seems to be moving in order, and, and we get a special sense of how God loves us, and how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to guide us and direct us and protect us. 
The difficulty we have sometimes is that when we are in that mountaintop experience, when everything is going really well, we think every day is going to be like that. Also, when we have days or times when things aren't going well, when life is tough and we have things that are making us anxious, we can fall into the trap of thinking that every day is going to be like that. Whereas our spiritual life really is navigating those ups and downs, enduring through the valley and enjoying the time on the mountaintop. And so you could be, the disciples could have been forgiven if they'd have thought this, as they were in that upper room and they were breaking bread and they were chatting and they were perhaps talking about the things that had happened that day or the previous week and they were just enjoying that personal, private, intimate fellowship with Jesus, you could forgive them if they'd have thought this is going to be, we want to do this every day. You know, when Peter, James and John were invited by Jesus to come up on the mountain with him and he, he was transfigured, he shone with that great light and Moses and Elijah appeared and were walking on the mountain chatting with Jesus. And I think that sometimes Peter gets a bad rap because Peter is almost ridiculed because Peter sees this and he says, Lord, let me build shelters, a shelter for you and a shelter for Elijah and a, a, a shelter for Moses. And, and in fact, the, the gospel writer, one of the gospel writers actually says, Peter said that because he didn't really know what he was doing. But I've thought about that since, and I, I think Peter knew exactly what he was doing. He, he must have thought to himself as he was on that mountain and he saw Christ transfigured and he saw these great men of God who had appeared and were talking to Jesus that he probably thought, life cannot get any better for me than this. And so I'm going to build a shelter so that we can all stay here and just enjoy this for the rest of our lives. But if you read the story, it did come to an end and they had to come back down the mountain and they came back down the mountain and found themselves in the middle of a huge fight. And suddenly they were back into the middle of the, of the hustle and tussle and the challenges of life. So this opens up with a picture of peace and a picture of tranquility. And they would have been sitting there thinking, Jesus has organized this. Jesus is in control. God is in control. This is his plan. This is wonderful. But then suddenly, suddenly something's not quite right. A little bit like one discordant note on a piano. And it perhaps makes them sit up and look. Verse 18 Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you, but he who shared my bread has turned against me. They must have been puzzled at that. In the middle of this lovely meal, in the middle of this beautiful time of blessing, this beautiful time of sharing, where Christ has washed their feet, where Christ has told them that they must love one another, suddenly he's talking about somebody betraying them. Again in verse 21, it says, he, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And so there's another discordant note in the piano. Something is not right. 
and now perhaps some of, the, some of the feeling of peace and tranquility that they were enjoying is starting to ebb away, and now they're a little bit concerned. In fact, we know they're concerned because it says in verse 22, his disciples stared at one another. They didn't just glance at one another, they stared at one another because they didn't understand what Jesus meant. And they were looking at each other, they were looking to see if one of their friends knew what was happening. Suddenly the mood has changed, suddenly the situation has changed. Suddenly that feeling of peace and tranquility and equilibrium, he's ebbing away and there's some uncertainty and there's some nervousness creeping in. And then as you read on, then events really start to move. When they get into the garden, and Jesus is troubled in his spirit, and he's praying, and he's, he's crying out to God, and he's sweating great drops of blood. And then there's a noise in the garden, and there's shouts, and there's lights, and there's, there's torches, and swords, and men, armed men, and they're there, and they take Christ, and they start to drag him away. And there's panic, and there's fear, and there's confusion. And one of the disciples, possibly Mark, he leaves, all he leaves is his, his clothes, and he runs naked away. And the rest of them scatter, scatter. This is the same night where they've been, they've been in the room with Jesus with that beautiful moment of blessing. And now they're scattered into the night. And Peter follows, and then they recognize Peter, and three times with curses he denies Christ. How do we go from there to here? They've been with Jesus. They haven't done anything wrong. But suddenly, they've gone from a lovely, peaceful moment to chaos and fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And then Jesus is taken and he's beaten and he's brutally put to death. And what we need to understand is that this was God's plan. This was God's plan all along. And Jesus was trying to give them a little bit of a heads up in that meal that this was about to happen because he knew that Judas was going to go and betray him. And so, really, when he said that to Judas, he kind of set the events in motion. And Judas went and got his money, and he came and betrayed Christ with a kiss. But the thing that's difficult for us to understand sometimes is this was God's plan. And sometimes, God's plan takes us to places that we would not normally choose to go. Sometimes God's plan involves us having to endure things that we would rather not endure. And those are the times when Satan can come in and say, I don't know why you bother with this church nonsense. God is a God of love. God loves you. Well, if he did love you, why would you be having such a tough time? Why would you have this uncertainty or this anxiety in your life? I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Some years ago, I was at a men's church breakfast meeting, and I heard God say to me as clear as anything, 
sit back and watch what I'm going to do for you. And I was so excited, I came home and told my wife what I'd heard God say. This was Saturday morning. Monday morning, I got fired from my job. Now, now when I look back, I can see how the whole plan worked. It's like when you're in the thick of it, you're in a forest and all you can see are the trees or you're in a jungle and all you can see is everything that's around you. But if you trust God, you trust the process, or process as we say in England, then he brings you through it. And it's as if you can then look back and you can see the path that he has brought you through. Because God's plan for our lives, if sometimes it takes us through a path that is thick with brambles and thorns and we get beat up and we're, we're worried or we're afraid or we're unsure, if we can trust the process and hang on to God's plan, he leads us out into a brave new future, an exciting new future. Because yes, the disciples were scattered. Yes, they were scared. Yes, they were terrified. Yes, everything upon which they built their lives over the previous three years seemed to have been destroyed. But, but, through that pain, through that uncertainty, through that anxiety, they hung on to their faith. And they came out of it the other side and read the book of Acts and look at the amazing things that they achieved. Look at the things, look at the testimonies that Peter gave. Look at the miracles Peter was involved in. Wonderful things happened as a result of these men enduring and heading into that brave new future. Yes, that brave new future had its own challenges, but God was with them through it all of the time. We are here this morning because they endured and marched into that brave new future that God had for them. These passages were selected a long time ago and assigned to these dates. And when I realized that I was going to be preaching immediately after Thanksgiving, when I read the passage, I thought, well, you know, it's always nice if you're speaking immediately after Thanksgiving to kind of have some passing reference to Thanksgiving, but I couldn't see one. But then, suddenly, it all became clear in my mind. I like to joke that at Thanksgiving, it's when you give thanks for escaping from the English, but Tom quite rightly corrected me and said, no, no, that's not right. It was giving thanks for that harvest, that first harvest in 1621 when those pilgrims who traveled from England, they, they celebrated the harvest and had a feast with the local people. And it occurred to me that this country is what it is because God's plan took men and women out of the country they were in, out of the life they were in, and it took them the other side of the world and resettled them somewhere else, and they built a brave new future, and that's what we celebrated this past week in Thanksgiving. Now, the decision to leave can't have been easy. The journey must have been horrible. It's not like going on some modern cruise liner, that ship. It was a tough, tough, tough journey but they made it and they walked into that brave new future. 
as human beings, we don't like change. We really don't want change. Unless, of course, you support the soccer club I do, in which case I'd appreciate a bit of change after a lifetime of disappointment. But normally we don't like change. We like things to be the same. If we're, doing, if we're in a situation that's comfortable, why change it? We don't want to change that. We've always done this. Leave it alone. Let's stay as we are. And so we get this idea that change is bad. But I can honestly say that some of the greatest blessings I've had have come after I was forced out of a particular situation that I was comfortable in, and I was forced out of my comfort zone and into a period of uncertainty and puzzlement and confusion, and then God built a new future, a new situation. Ironically, I'm leaving after this service. I'm flying to England for a week because my dad is in hospital. He's not been good this week, and we've got all kinds of discussions to have about how my mum copes and where she lives and things like this. And it's tough. It's really tough. And I know there are people here who have been through changes recently, through loss, They've lost people they loved. There are people perhaps struggling with change that's been forced upon them in other ways. Illness, problems at work, family situations, financial scenarios. Unwelcome change can be forced on us in a lot of different ways. And when that happens, we can feel anxious. We can feel worried. We can feel confused. We can feel puzzled. We can begin to think that perhaps God's forgotten about us. But the message from his word today is that if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, he has a plan for your life. And that plan for your life, if you will just trust the process and give him your uncertainty, give him your anxiety, give him your fear, give him your worry, and ask him to simply lead you through the tough time you're going through. He is leading you into a brave new future. And even if you've been through loss and you've been through difficulty, it's not the time to give up. It's actually the time to be excited and say to God, I'm excited to see what you're going to do for me and with me going forward. That's the message from today. God has a plan for our lives. Sometimes that plan takes us along a thorny path and we get ripped up a little bit. But if we can stay with him and trust him and trust the process, he will bring us through and he will bring us through not to a, just to a position of enduring, but to a position of challenge and excitement and blessing because he has things that he wants us to do for him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, because you love us. We, we know, Lord, that sometimes life is hard, and sometimes the things and the situations we find ourselves in are difficult to endure. They're difficult to understand. But Lord, help each one of us, any of us, Lord, who are going through a time of forced change or uncertainty. Help us, Lord, to trust you, to trust the process, and to be excited, Lord, that if we're going to hang on to you, you will bring us through it, and you're going to bless us in a wonderful way. In your precious name.
Amen.